Hi, everyone. This is Yael Averbush West. Welcome back to Football Americana, a 90 Men podcast. Today, I'm talking to Tyler Adams, RB Leipzig player and captain of the U.S. men's national team. Can't wait to get into the combo. So I'm here with Tyler Adams, who's from New York, grew up uh, coming through the Red Bull system right here in New Jersey, where I'm from have not actually met till right now. So this is our first real conversation, but now he's at Red Bull Leipzig, uh, has 22 caps with the U.S. men's national team and is now actually the captain of the U.S. men's national team as well. So really appreciate you uh, having this conversation, Tyler, and want to start off with having you tell me a little bit about your youth soccer upbringing. Yeah, so thanks first for having me. Um, But yeah, so my upbringing is a little bit of a unique one. So I grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York, where Soccer is, you know, not necessarily the most popular. I wouldn't say there's a sport that's the most popular. Um, So when I was growing up, I kind of played a little bit of everything. I grew up with a single mother. So she just, you know, got me involved in as many things as possible. And, um, you know, my life completely changed at one point when she met now who I call my father. Um, And I had three brothers as well that were in that soccer realm and soccer world and had a lot of knowledge in that. And that's really when I started to take soccer a little bit more seriously. You know, my dad being a coach in the past uh, at a couple of universities, uh, just throughout different programs in my area really could, you know, identify talent. And, you know, he really pushed me and and helped me hone my skills to then make, you know, New York Red Bull Academy one day. And that's kind of just where everything took off. So um, I'm very fortunate. I'm very family oriented. We're a soccer family, I'm proud to say. And uh, yeah, we just enjoy watching sports and being involved in the sports communities. Yeah, very cool. Do you remember like right away realizing that you were good or kind of when did you realize, you know, oh, I'm not just like every other kid playing soccer here? Yeah, I would never like even to this day, like I would never, you know, identify myself as someone that's better than other players. Like one of my you know, main attributes, especially growing up was I just wanted to win. So I would just do whatever it is to win in whatever sport I was playing. And, you know, eventually it just got to a point where I was so competitive that I was just, you know, I just realized, yeah, I think I want to, you know, try this soccer thing out and take it to the next level. And, you know, being in and around the New York Red Bull Academy, um, I was exposed to, you know, the professionals training right next door to us and, you know, seeing players like Bradley Wright Phillips and Thierry Henry, it was like, you know, I'm so close to it. Why not just go after it at this point? You know, I'm making the commitment to, to try so hard and drive, you know, these extended hours. My parents are making the commitment. I thought, you know, I, I enjoy the sport so much. I had so many friends within the club that, you know, going after and trying to become a pro was my goal. Yeah, and actually that goes into something I was curious about is, where, you know, you talk a little bit in some of your other interviews about growing up watching Arsenal and watching Henri play mm-hmm. um, and some of the Red Bull players. Was there anyone in particular who you looked up to to model your game after? Like someone who you specifically would watch and say, I, I want to have this trait that this guy's this guy has? Yeah, I mean, Thierry Henry was, you know, the main person for me. I think every young kid, they the players that they watch are the people that are scoring the goals at the end of the day. Like they just see whoever's celebrating, getting the most attention. That's the player you want to be like. And, you know, at that point in time, it was Thierry Henry for me, um, whether he was at Arsenal, Barcelona, um, you know, those top clubs, those are the games that are on TV and those are the games that you're constantly watching. So um, when he came to New York, that was a really big deal for me because, you know, I was in the academy, but I was also begging my mom every weekend to bring me to the to the games and, you know, sit in the first row and at Red Bull Arena and watch him score goals. So that was definitely an honor as well. Did you get to interact with him at all? Yeah, so I, I was pretty fortunate, actually. Uh, I've got got to train with him a couple times. Um, I got to meet him, you know, after one of my 
you know, in the beginning, I think it was my first year with the first team. He had come back and after, I think it was after the World Cup uh, in 2014, and he was uh, coaching Belgium at the time. And he came back and I remember him watching one of the games and we just had a little chat, quick chat after the game. And, you know, that's, that's amazing when, you know, the person that you admire your whole life, you know, you're able to have a small conversation with them, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think that's, that speaks a lot to the power of, you know, the academy system and coming up and then being able to actually see your, you know, your heroes week in, week out and meet them. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, there, so there's, uh, again, like a lot of stories about you as a young professional and how professional you always have been. What, where does that come from? You know, a lot of, you know, you hear stories too of kids who have some trouble, you know, really focusing on soccer and being super professional in that environment. Is that something that's part of your innate personality? Was that taught to you by your parents or kind of where does that come from as part of your player persona? Yeah, hundred percent. I think it comes a little bit from, you know, the environment that you're raised in, you know, one of the biggest things in, in my household is, is respect. You know, when you, when you go to your workplace, whether it's football, uh, business, finance, it doesn't matter. You want to be respectful of your peers and uh, the people that you're working for. And for me, as, as a young pro, I wanted to go in there, um, kind of keep to myself at the end of the day and, and just get the job done. Uh, whether it was, you know, working on things after training, spending time in the gym, getting stronger. Um, I wanted to be the best professional that I can be because not only does that, you know, help me on the pitch, but it's also going to show my peers and, you know, my coaches that, you know, when I get on the field, I mean business and I'm ready to perform. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time, you know, working on things when I was younger and I continue to do that because I think, uh, it, it keeps you, um, not only responsible of, of what you need to improve on, but also when you set goals for yourself, uh, it's important that you reach those goals. So I do everything that I can from the smallest details to recovery, to all those different types of things, um, in order to perform at the end of the day. Yeah. I feel like we need to, uh, we certainly need to make sure that youth players listen, listen to this one. Cause yeah. I think, you know, that's what players need to hear. Um, and so fast forwarding a little, or, or maybe not when you hear us soccer, like what's your first memory of, you know, maybe the national team or what us soccer means to you? Geez, I have a lot of memories of the national team. Uh, one of the, like the most specific memories, um, I think it was right before they went to the 2014 world cup. They had a, a friendly against Turkey at Red Bull arena. Um, and I remember going with my whole family at that point to, um, to watch that game. And, you know, at that point, I'm just a fan in the stands. And, uh, you know, when I look back at it, that game means, you know, so much to me because that's kind of what set my eyes on, you know, being in that U.S. environment. And, you know, I've been to Red Bull Arena many times and it never had the atmosphere that one of those U.S. games had. And um, you could see the culture starting to grow at that point. And I think it's really becoming something special in the U.S. today. Yeah. And I can imagine now when you step out there as the captain of the team, that's a, I mean, you think back on a moment like that, that's, that's amazing. Talking about you now as a player on the field, what characteristics make you most special in your mind? Yeah, I would probably say, you know, definitely my mentality, but I think I just do a lot of things on the field that, you know, a lot of players don't want to do, um, especially young players. A lot of players, um, you know, growing up are, are really worried about, you know, sometimes being a little bit flashy or showing a little bit too much. And, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a simple player. You know, I like to, to get stuck in on tackles. I like to, uh, in transition moments, you know, be able to win the ball back and then, you know, run forward again and, you know, hopefully, you know, contribute to, to a goal or something like that. But 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just, yeah, one of those players that's a transitional player. I just like to be involved in fast paced games, winning balls, playing forward, um, all the simple things at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's, it's so valuable for people to hear because it is true. You know, you see the highlight tapes of all the flashy moves, but that's the stuff yeah. that you know, wins the games. Um, yeah. Can you think of an area of your game that you feel like has improved the most since you came on the scene with the national team? Is there some something that you're like, wow, this is really I've taken to the next level? Yeah. And the national team right now, especially, you know, under Greg, you know, one of the things that he emphasizes, is obviously me getting on the ball, because, you know, as a number six, you're you're kind of the first player to unlock the the team or the, the opponent that you're playing against. And one thing that, you know, he's helped me so much with is, you know, positionally just, you know, putting myself in areas that's going to hurt the opponent the most. And, you know, if you can constantly think of that in the game, um, you know, where, where am I on the field right now? Do I know what's around me? Do I know where my number eight, my number 10 is, you know, knowing, having a good connection with the guys in front of you and behind you, um, you know, really being the anchor and quarterback of the team. Um, it's really valuable. And I think that that's helped me a lot just mentally, you know, always being tuned into the little details on the field so that I can affect the opponent, but also, you know, help my team. Yeah. And is there a player uh, either for your club or on the national team who you play with, or maybe someone you play against even where you see something they're doing and you're like, oh, I want to steal that technique or that quality from them. Yeah, absolutely. I've played with, you know, a lot of good players and I'm, you know, really, really fortunate, you know, here in Leipzig, we have so many quality players. Um, you know, one player that's helped me since I first arrived is Kevin Kompel. He's, um, you know, a little bit older, but he's been on some top, top teams, whether it's Dortmund, Leverkusen, played in a lot of big games. And, you know, the way the things that he does with the ball are, are brilliant, you know, how he's able to spin out of certain situations and one or two touches, never overcomplicating things. Um, it's a player that I admire and, you know, one that I constantly watch because I train with him every day. And, you know, playing with him is, is, a, is a privilege because you give him the ball in any situation, he's able to spin out of it, always keeping possession of the ball. And yeah, he's, he's a good player. Yeah. Is that something, do you guys talk about it? Does he actually give you tips or stuff? Or are you just learning by, you know, watching and seeing him day in and day out? Yeah, no, we definitely talk about it, you know, sometimes more jokes than anything. Um, but on the field, uh, you know, he's always helping me. He's just telling me, get to this spot maybe a little bit earlier or take a peek here and know what's around you. So, you know, he helps me a lot. He's detail oriented. But again, it's one of those things that you see um, experience teaches you a lot. And, you know, he's, yeah, obviously older than me. He's, I think, almost 30 now. And that's eight years older, eight, eight more years of games. You know, that could be 300 games in that time period where you learn so much. So, um, you know, he definitely helps me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm curious, you know, to talk a little bit about your, uh, you, you're getting your sports psychology degree and you have a yeah. partnership with stat sport. So I want to go into a little bit of that and, and understand how does stat sport help you to, you know, be your best and stay on top of your game. Yeah. Fortunately with me, when, you know, stat sports came to me and we were able to do a little bit of a partnership, um, it was something that I was so interested in because, you know, when I first signed my first professional contract and I was coming through the professional ranks in New York, you know, the main thing that I would always look at was how much I was running after every session. Um, you know, I was competing with the other guys in the changing room saying, I ran more than you guys today. I was faster than you today. So all these little details, just as a competitive guy, it kind of pushed me to, you know, want to reach new standards. And, you know, when, whether, whenever I'm in uh, off season and training, it helps me keep track of, you know, all my little data that I need to, to make sure I'm not doing too much or too little um, and just staying in, in the right shape so that when I come back, I'm able to play at a top level. Yeah. And what's, has there been something that's most interesting or most, most surprising that you've learned from looking at the stats and looking at the data that you're able to get? 
Yeah, you know, one of the the things that I'm I'm always looking at and that I love to keep track of and always try to beat my record is um, the high intensity meters that you run per game. So I think that's over. I mean, now I'm thinking in kilometers from being in Germany, but over a certain amount of kilometers per game, um, top speed that you're running, and it always triggers this this high intensity meter. So I think per game, usually I'm I'm almost right around three thousand in the in the big games, and um, I'm just always trying to get more and more. So hopefully, I'm at like three thousand five hundred soon. Yeah, who is that? One of the t- top numbers on your team, or who's like? Is there any? Yeah, I don't think. I think I have. I think I have the record for that right now. So that's a good thing. Nice. Okay, I'll remember that number then. <laughs> um, <and> curious, <laughs> curious too. You know, with I think the entire U.S. team uses stat sports as well. Um, how how does it help team wise for, for you guys to improve or kind of um, get to the next level? Yeah. I think, I think most importantly, it's good for the coaches, right? Because they're always checking what the fitness coach is saying. How much did this guy run? How much did this guy run? What number are we at? Um, and it, it really keeps us in the best form we need going into games because nobody wants to go into a game with heavy legs or feeling a little bit tired um, going into the game day. So I know leading up to the games, especially Greg is always communicating with, with the fitness coaches and saying, how much did Tyler run? How much did Weston run? How much did these guys run? Because he wants us to be uh, uh, fresh and at our best. So um, I think that's really important. And it's such an important tool for that reason to keep track of that, because um, I know in the past, you know, when I first came into this, uh, into New York or anything like that, sometimes I would do a little bit too much going into the games. And I was like, why am I tired the next day in the game? And, you know, when you can manage these types of things, it makes all the difference. Yeah. And it's amazing. Even, uh, you know, I'm a lot older than you and, but in my playing career, uh, it's amazing the type of uh, access now there is to data and that kind of feedback because it is it's changing every year and it's like more and more and impressive. So um, yeah. it's it's really cool to see. But that, that's a good transition because I do want to talk a little bit more, get into you know your uh, hopefully the beginning of a very long career on the U.S. men's national team. But first, kind of looking at uh, U.S. soccer culture in general, what aspect of soccer culture in the U.S. defines or what aspect of soccer in the U.S. defines its culture? in your opinion, if you were to pick one thing? Defines its culture. That's a great question. Um, you know, it's growing growing more and more every day. I would say that uh, compared to, for instance, the first U.S. game that I went to from USA Turkey, I would say that at these games, people were really going to sporting events to enjoy the sporting event. Um, now you can really recognize the soccer passion and the enjoyment of the game. Um, when you go to these games, you know, you have fans that are coming up to you and talking to you about what club you're playing for and, and what you're doing in, you know, over the past couple months with your club situation or how, you know, we're playing in Champions League and these little details where I think as in the past, everyone was just waiting for the World Cup to come around. And now you can really see the growing excitement of every game, every friendly you know, you have this this camp coming up in, in the U.S. right now for guys that are playing in the U.S. and how excited everyone is to see all these new, young, excited, young players that are coming through the system that maybe we haven't got a chance to look at because we've only had qualifiers. So um, I'm tuned into these things. I know the other fans are, um, but it's just an exciting moment because I think people are really starting to, to now recognize that, you know, the way that we're playing um, and the way that we're attracting fans is an exciting way now. So everyone wants to watch our games, which is good. Yeah, talking a little bit more about, um, you know, the U.S. men's national team and your your role as, as captain and a leader as, as a very young player on the team, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, obviously then in, in these camps and, and surrounding the games, you know, you're a huge part of setting the tone and the culture of the group. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the current culture of the team? Is, is it different than from when you first came on the scene or 
what's what's it like in camp? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit different because, you know, for that first year after we didn't qualify for the World Cup, um, it was going through a complete change, you know, in, in the U.S. soccer culture. We had not qualified um, or we had qualified for a very long time in, in consecutive years. And um, when you take this step back, it affects everyone from from the ground up. So um, we had to rebuild that and it's taken a while to rebuild. And, you know, in this qualifying process right now, we still have a ton of work to do. Um, we have a lot of big games coming up. So um, I think that one thing that, you know, Greg has worked on, um, you know, the leadership council of the team, myself, is, you know, building this brotherhood, this family feel that um, when everyone comes into camp, no matter if you're, you're new, old, young, it doesn't matter, um, you feel included, you're, you know, part of the brotherhood um, of what this team is building. And um, I think that's very special when you have young guys come into camp and, you know, they feel wanted, they feel like they're valued because everyone plays a role at the end of the day to qualify from, for the World Cup, whether it's, you know, ourselves, the people that are playing on the, the players that are playing on the field or the people that are selling tickets and getting fans in the stadium that want to support us. So um, it's taken, you know, now two complete years to build something like this. And we know that we still have a long way to go, but um, we're continuing to put the work in and, you know, the culture of, of, of what we have now and it, it feeling like such a family is, is definitely very good. Yeah, that's pretty unique, I think, for a national team culture, just because of how competitive it can be. Um, do you guys have any special traditions or rituals or anything that you could share? Like when new players come in, is there anything you do that's uh, that's particular to the team? Yeah, I mean, everyone's got to sing. Everyone's got to get on the chair and get asked some questions that they might not want to answer. And then they got to sing at the end of the day. So um, we have some guys in camp that ask some you know, interesting questions, ones that you might not not want me to say, but um, yeah, it takes a lot, you know, so I think that's the the little initiation that they have to go through and it's not just players. So if you're a new staff member, new anything, you got to, you got to get up and tell us a little something about yourself. Oh gosh, that's like my worst nightmare personally. But would you have your go, <laughs> what's your go-to song? Did you have to sing? Uh, I had to sing, oh, it's crazy. I had to sing in like three or four years ago now, but um, it was Love Yourself by Justin Bieber. So that's okay. an easy one. Maybe at the end of the podcast, we'll get a little demo from you. <laughs> no problem. No problem. I'm confident. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. It's good. Um, so, um, you know, talking again about, you know, sports psychology, because that's something you're mm -hmm. studying. Is there anything that you feel like you've learned from your studies in particular that you take into your role as a captain? Like how much do you think about leadership and think about that side of the game in your, um, in your leadership role? Yeah, I mean, I think that that studying that has definitely helped me. Um, you know, I look a lot at the the mental side of the game, you know, how you can control certain variables, what you need to look at in the game, how you can help other people and maybe understand a little bit more of what they're going through in certain moments. I think as a leader um, and especially as a captain, you want to be able to understand your teammates to the best of your ability because um, you play a big role in obviously getting the best out of them. So um, I think that for me personally, I, I genuinely always care about everyone, but um, on the field, I, I also want to win and I'm going to do everything I need to win. So sometimes I'll say some things that might get you on your nerves, but at the end of the day, it's for the better. So um, for me, I think that that's definitely helped me on the mental side of my game, not just for myself, but, you know, for my teammates. Yeah. And you kind of just mentioned this a little bit, but what kind of leader, how would you describe yourself as a leader? Are you a vocal, are you a very vocal leader? Or are you more of the lead by example type? Like what's your leadership style? Yeah, definitely, definitely a lead by example guy. Um, you know, my mentality every time I go out on the pitches, you know, that no one's going to outwork me. Um, and that kind of sets the standard for the rest of the group. Vocally, I like to, you know, I'm not a big stand up in front of the, the team and have a rah-rah a speech. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that that's more of a collective things to 
get everyone motivated, you know, stay on top of their game, make sure that they're prepared. Um, but I love to talk to guys individually and just get a feel for where they're at and, and help them individually because, um, you know, standing up in, in front of the team and speaking to everyone, that's great. I like to do that as a team. And, you know, at the end of the day, Greg does a great job of, you know, making sure we're, we're as a collective, um, but making sure guys understand individually exactly, you know, what the job is, what their role is in the team um, and how to get the best out of everyone. I feel like I do a good job at that. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there's a leadership council. Who else is part of that leadership group? So on the leadership council, we have, um, it changes each camp, uh, depending on obviously who's there. Um, but normally we have myself, Christian Pulisic, um, Weston McKenney, Zach Steffen. Um, oh my God. Brad Guzon, if he's there, Sean Johnson, if he's there. Um, yeah. Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman. I think that's, that's, that's the group right there normally. Yeah. And it's really interesting to hear because, you know, watching the team from the outside, you kind of get a sense mm -hmm. of who might be the leaders, but it's, yeah. it's nice yeah. to hear, you know, who is part of the, the group that's respected to have that um, responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. So just looking at, you know, your time playing in Germany now, um, is, is there something that you can pinpoint as kind of the biggest lesson or takeaway you've had coming from growing up in the U.S. and now experiencing playing abroad? Yeah, to be honest, I've been I've been so fortunate since coming to this club because, you know, when I first arrived, we were playing a system that was very, very similar to how I was playing in New York. So the transition for myself was um, almost seamless. Um, and then, you know, going through an injury that kept me out for you know almost six months and having to deal with that side of the game for the first time, you know, taught me definitely a valuable lesson, um, you know, whether it was, you know, taking care of myself or just making sure I'm doing everything that I can. Um, to, you know, focusing on all the details when you're out of the game, making sure that you understand the way that we're playing um, and going through through those types of scenes in your head. Um, but just staying mentally prepared, I think, from from being injured is one of the things that you always have to focus on. You know, that mental health is, is super, super important. Um, you know, everyone sees what goes on on the field, but definitely doesn't understand what's going on off the field all the time, especially for um, professional athletes that you know, everyone thinks the life is, is perfect until, you know, you, you have a couple setbacks and then you have to deal with that. So um, that taught me a lot definitely early on in my career. And I was happy that I went through that because um, I definitely don't think I would be as mentally strong as I am today uh, without going through that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I as in part of my career, I did play overseas as well. I was in Sweden, but mm -hmm. I know it can be uh, people don't think about, you know, you have to move your life over there and it's not that easy. Yeah. Have you yeah. found it? Um, is it lonely at times? Do you, do you love it? Is it a fun adventure? Like, how do you feel about, you know, just living in another country and do you live alone or kind of what's it been like? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely had to embrace it. You know, I think that coming over here for the first six months was, was nice, but it almost felt like a little vacation because you come in the winter, you have six months, you play some good games and then you go back home or you go on vacation. And uh, those six months weren't, weren't the easiest for me. I lived in a place um, in Leipzig that I wasn't very familiar with. Now I know the city like the back of my hand, which was nice after being here for three years. Um, but after those six months, I was very fortunate because my girlfriend was able to move here. Um, she's working here. You know, she's happy. I'm happy. We're able to travel and we have a couple free days and um, it's nice. We've been able to explore and again, embrace the culture, learn the language, um, make some friends that are not necessarily soccer related, which is always nice to have. Um, and yeah, we're just settling in nicely. So um, it's, it's definitely been nice. You know, it's a little bit of a, a change, definitely for sure. But um, especially going through the pandemic as well. Um, but now that family is able to visit again, it's nice.
Yeah, no, it sounds like you've really uh, started to set up a nice life there for yourself. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you have any words of advice for kind of the next crop of American players who might be looking to go play abroad? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say from my perspective, um, it's all about it's all about timing, you know, right? I think that, you know, when, I, when you're a young player, you get caught up on, you know, what the next best thing is or the next best thing. And um, it's not necessarily always the best thing. And I think that having a great support system is the best thing that you can have in, in this world because there's a lot of people out there that don't always have your best interest at hand. So for me, my support system, I'm very fortunate about the people that I, you know, I have in my, in my circle, which is a very, very small circle. Um, and it has to be that way, unfortunately. Um, but I think that, you know, when I was making the decision to come to Germany, um, it wasn't the easiest one. You have options, you have people saying, we're the best club for you. You have people saying, this is the best club for you. And I ultimately decided to stay in MLS for three years and it was the best decision I made. Um, I was able to get valuable experience under my belt. And then when I came to Germany, I just hit the ground running. So um, it's all about timing. And I think everyone has to have a little bit of patience, especially as a young player. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's almost, it's very similar also mindset to what you're describing about yourself on the field. It's not always about the next biggest, flashiest thing. It's just like right. following the process and doing it right. So talking a little bit about fan culture in Germany and comparing it to the US, what have you noticed that's maybe some differences in the fan culture there compared to what you were used to at home? Yeah, I mean, I think in the US, um, people are not necessarily obviously as uh, football oriented quite yet. Um, you know, these people, especially here in Leipzig, uh, they wait for Saturday like it's their job, you know, like they just want to have that fan experience. They want to be able to come to the stadium. They want to be able to drink their beer. They want to be able to watch our team pick up three points. And, and that's that. And, you know, they live it. It's like a religion here. Um, I think in the U.S., um, the fan bases are just starting to grow more and more, which is, you know, unbelievable to see. Um, it's so exciting when you go home and play a national team game and you can go to places like Columbus or Austin and it's sold out instantly. Um, but I think that that's, that's the normal here uh, in Germany. You go to a stadium, it's going to be sold out no matter who you're playing against, whether it's Champions League against Man City or a Bundesliga game against a team that's in relegation, it, it doesn't matter. Um, so I think that's starting to grow into the process of how Americans think about it. Um, but it's obviously going to take a little bit of time still. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Jesse Marsh. I mean, you, you played under him uh, in two different environments and want to know a little bit about what kind of coach he is and how he's specifically impacted your career. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely impacted my career a lot, right? He's a coach that sat down with my family, told me this is the, the plan that um, we have in place for you and basically to, to trust the process. And, you know, we put a lot of trust in him and he gave me, um, some good opportunities as a young player and really helped me, you know, kickstart my career. So um, I'm definitely thankful to him in those regards. And he was the assistant coach when I first came to Leipzig. And um, he definitely helped me with the transition into life in Germany um, and just kind of kind of understanding um, everything that I need to do in order to be a top professional here in Europe. So um, he definitely helped me set me up for success. Is there a particular um, like piece of wisdom, a story or a session he led or something that is you feel like stuck with you most as a player? I think his passion for, for the team and how much he cares about the team. Um, I just remember being in New York and how many sessions he was, you know, specifically involved in and wanting to train with the team. And he would go after guys, he would kick them, he would get them mad. Um, and at the end of the day, his team would always win no matter what. And that wasn't a coincidence because he would just pick the best possible team there is. So um, you wanted to be on his team on those types of days because you knew you were going to win. 
Yeah, I, I love playing with coaches who play in, in the sessions. That always uh, definitely best. adds it's a fun element. Yeah. yeah. Um, so speaking of, the, of these coaches, what do you think it'll take for more American coaches to get to, you know, make names for themselves at the highest level of the game and be coaching at that level? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's obviously a, a natural progression as a coach, right? Um, in America, you have to obviously obtain the highest coaching license uh, to, to then coach in Europe uh, and coach in these big competitions. And then um, whether you're coaching MLS, that's, that's a great step in order to come to Europe. And I think um, you've seen a little bit of that now with, with how, what Jesse did and the steps that he took to, to coach a top club. Um, I think that more and more coaches can do that because there's so many good American coaches, but at the end of the day, maybe it's not always easy for them to pick up their stuff when you have a whole family and say, okay, let's move to Germany or let's move to England and let's do this. So you have to obviously be presented with the right, right scenario and the right one for your family. You know, when you see all these other top coaches, they, they coach at the highest level and, you know, mostly the countries that they've grown up in. So it's maybe not as difficult. I'm not going to say it's not difficult, but um, it's, it's a different scenario completely. So um, I think that the American coaches have that um, the ability to do that. That's without a doubt. And the knowledge and everything, it's just a matter of being presented with the right scenario. Yeah. And you know, right now, in addition to you, there are a number of Americans who are developing in the Bundesliga. Is there something in particular yeah. about um, the German footballing culture or just German culture in general that makes it a good place, you think, for American footballers in particular to transition in their careers? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think that when you look at the Bundesliga and the number of teams that are playing young players, it's a really, really high percentage. Um, and that's really attractive to a young player because, you know, you don't want to go and sit at a club and have to wait two or three years of just training and not playing any games. You want to be given your opportunity to develop. And um, in Germany, every team in the Bundesliga has a couple of young players that are starting week in and week out. And yeah, if I'm a young player and I get the opportunity to go to Germany, I would, I would take it again. Um, it's, done a lot for me personally because you know coming into Leipzig which is a young team and that's kind of how they built their DNA um, we have so many young players that are playing week in and week out and I'm fortunate to play week in and week out that's great so just to kind of finish up I'm curious to look into the future a little bit more um, you know looking at you talked a little bit about the progress in the last couple of years of the U.S. men's national team how far are you guys, you think, from, you know, being a contender to get to a World Cup semifinal or final? Um, and with that, you know, what, what does it take to get to that caliber of, of national team? Yeah, um, whew, it's a great question. It takes, it takes a lot. I think that you need the right balance of, of youth and experience in your team. Um, I think that if you have you know, only experience, maybe you don't get the performances that you need at, at a high level. Or if you have only young players and you don't have the, so you always need that right mixture um, and the right balance. And then I think it's, it's difficult to say when exactly we're going to be ready to compete for a semifinal or a final, because at the end of the day, right now we have a great collective team and a lot of great talent, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to make it to a semifinal or a final. You have to understand the what playing in a tournament format requires because it's not the same as playing one game and, and you win and it doesn't matter in a friendly or it doesn't mean going through the qualifying process because that's not even a tournament format either. It's, you know, how do you make it out of the group? How do you win in pressure situations and knock out games? Um, and, you know, one team that you look at and you say, 
they've really figured out kind of the efficiency of, of and right balance is you look at a team like Germany and you say they have the right balance of everything. And then um, how do you kind of structure your system based off of a team that has had success like that? And I think that they have a lot of good young leaders. They have a lot of good older leaders, and a lot of experience. Um, but these players, they don't miss games. They're always together. They always have a similar team together. Um, and they built this chemistry up over years. So when you can say we're going to make it to a semifinal or final, I hope, I hope right away. Um, but I think it takes a lot to build that, that caliber team. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a phenomenal answer. I, when I'm listening to you and this kind of goes into my last big question, I have a couple like quick, quick ones for you, but um, I'm listening to you and I know you're right at the beginning of your journey as, as a player on the field, but I'm, I just can imagine you one day, like being a manager of a big club or, you know, your mindset <laughs> is like, you're already thinking of all these elements that go far outside of you as a player. So do you have any thoughts on what you were, you would want to do when you're hopefully very long playing career is over? Are you interested in coaching yeah, me or just something totally no, different? No, okay. No, I'm not <laughs> then I'm totally off. I'm not, I'm not coaching. I, I will be on the sidelines of some games, I'm sure, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I think every young player, if you ask them, no one's going to say they want to be a coach. I think players that are coaches right now, they didn't say they want to be a coach. So I think a lot changes as it goes on. I mean, I definitely want to be involved in, in the, the football world, but um, I don't know. I think more from a, a sporting side, like a scout or something like that, where I'm just able to watch games, identify talent and kind of the development process of young players, because um, I think a lot of clubs kind of get that development process wrong and and don't know exactly what young players need um and me being a young player and also playing at a club with even younger players than me I kind of see you know what we really need and, and what's going to get the best out of us so I would I would enjoy doing something with with younger players I think no I love I love that and I could that actually probably even more so than coach I was thinking something in charge of some part of this process yeah. so that that <laughs> yeah. totally makes sense and it sounds like you're already doing that too as a leader on your team so you're I you're already doing I that try. job as well so <laughs> last three quick questions for you um first thing that kind of comes to mind here what mm -hmm. is most American about American soccer culture oh my god uh, that's a hard question um the most american about american soccer culture um i would probably say the food at the games <laughs> that, is, that is very american <laughs> i think that's a fairly unfortunate answer but i can't say i disagree yeah. too much <laughs> oh man um okay what person moment or thing has had the greatest impact on american soccer culture so far um the greatest impact on american soccer culture um, I would probably say, oh my God, this is hard. These are hard questions. These aren't quick questions. These are hard questions. Well, you answered all the other ones so well. I was like, gotta stump him a little bit at the end. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, if I had to pick like a person or something like that, I'd probably say Landon Donovan, probably. Um, kind of his influence in some of the biggest games in the World Cups being the first kind of young star to really come through and have a, a little bit of a global impact. And then I would, yeah, I'd also probably throw Christian in there as well. Um, he's definitely changed the game for young players, especially coming to Europe. So um, both of them. Yeah, no, that's a great answer you came up with after not too much thinking. So last one for you, this, this might be a tough one as well, but if you were to come up with your Mount Rushmore of American soccer, so kind of the top 
four most influential faces or figures. So maybe you already named two of them potentially, yeah. or you could switch it up. Do you have a, you have like your, your top faces and figures? It could be coaches, players, fans, media, anybody. Oh my God. You're putting me on the spot big time. Yeah, this is a tough one. <laughs> I mean, Landon, Landon, Landon has to be on there. Um, Clint has to be on there. Um, I don't think it's too early to say Christian at all. Um, probably put Christian on there. And then one more. Probably we've had so many good goalkeepers um, in the national team. I mean, it, it could be a toss-up between, obviously, Tim Howard, um, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel. They were all like, yeah, top, top, top. So. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, no, well, you came up with great answers. Sorry to throw the hard ones no. at, you at the end. <laughs> no, but you're good. <laughs> no, real, really appreciate the conversation. I wasn't just saying it when I think, you know, you're clearly, um, you think about this a lot and you're able to articulate it really well. So I very much appreciate you sharing your thoughts and a little Thank bit of insight you. into what has already made you a great player, but I think what will, you know, cement you as, as one of our leaders in this country for many years to come, hopefully. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.